You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Taken Out, and I'd like you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25 in the Old Testament. I have a fairly casual relationship with God. I speak to him all the time. Maybe you're a believer, maybe you speak to him. Some people refer to him as the man upstairs, some people... You know, you say, well, but I'm just kidding, whatever. I get that. But there is a point in time where the thing gets real, where it gets serious, where you grow up, where you realize in the same way you have a relationship with your father, and no matter how old you are or your father is, that there is still respect. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Even if you don't like the man, even if things aren't going well, I don't agree with everything my father's done or the way he raised me, but you know what? He's my dad, and I respect that. And God, if he is your father, then that is a big deal. It is a big deal. And he is way bigger and way more amazing and way holier than our brains could ever get around. And the fact that he does not just crush us and wipe us out is nothing but his everlasting, eternal, long-suffering, and mercy toward us. Because we all are guilty, all of us, of premeditated, just absolute, in-his-face sin. Like, you know what? Sin, the more grace may abound, absolutely. I'm tired of obeying. I'm tired of trusting. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of doing it his way. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what the consequences are. And we barrel ahead, right? Sometimes the consequences are tough, sometimes they are extreme, and sometimes you literally can get taken out. Now, I'm going to read you this story, and I'm going to make some comments along the way. Let's start in 1 Samuel 25, 1. Saul is the king, and he has been chasing this guy. We're going to read about David trying to kill him forever, and finally it looks like Saul's going to stop. They make a deal. David promises, I will not wipe your lineage out after you're gone, after you're dead, and I become king, and Saul acknowledges you're gonna be king, and so they part their ways. So you get this story, and it starts with Samuel dying, which that by itself, then Samuel died, is a huge deal. Good for Samuel, hard for everybody else, because you can get attached to people. Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah, And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman, and thank God for these women. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent 10 young men and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal and greet him in my name. Use my name. 
And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, he's got everything, peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shearers. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. So now he's telling these 10 guys, go remind Nabal that he was with us, whether he knew it or not, his shepherds were out there, me, my 600 men, we're out there, and as long as we're around, nothing harmed those sheep or those shepherds. Ask your young men, and they will tell you, Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David, and then they waited. They delivered the message in David's name, and they waited. Now look what happens. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men whom I do not know where they are from? And look at how many times he used the word my. It is all about him. So David's young men turned on their heels, went back, and they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, when the word comes back, this guy's not going to step up. He's not going to help. Every man, put your sword on, gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. Now this servant knows we got a problem. Because 10 showed up, but we know that David's got, there's 600 of them out there. And these are warriors. And if you make him mad, we got a problem. And there is no reason why Nabal should not have helped. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both by night and day, all the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore, know and consider what you will do. Think about it, Abigail. For harm is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a scoundrel that no one can speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seas of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on donkeys. Now this is a smart woman. Remember, it's feast time. So something has already gone on. They got a lot of people to feed anyway. So she says, get the stuff, put it on donkeys, and said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. So it was, as she rode on the donkey, that she went down under cover of the hill, and there were David and his men. Now you imagine this. You're a woman going out to meet 400 men armed and ready for war, for trouble coming down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him, and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. I'm going to kill every man in that guy's house. 
Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. It is amazing how people will finally bow when their life depends upon it. So she fell at his feet and said, on me, O Lord. Now, I don't know how she said this, but this is a desperate time. On me, O Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. I know you're angry. You're going to go take this out. I live with an angry man. I live with a fool. You don't have to be a fool. Take this out on me. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. And by the way, his name means stupid, wicked, especially impious, fool, foolish man or woman, vile person. Who would name their kid that? (laughs) So she acknowledges that's his name. He's living up to his name. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal, be fools. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespasses of your maidservant. She's done nothing but she's asking for forgiveness. She is interceding on behalf of her own fool husband and everybody in her household. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living. Love that phrase, in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God and the lives of your enemies, he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. She's used to dealing with a fool and she's pleading with someone who she believes is not a fool because her husband would have gone out and no one could have stopped him. But she's believing that maybe she can appeal to David in his his mercy. So David received from her hand what she brought him and said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Now Abigail went to Nabal, and there he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king, and Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. And how many women have to deal with that? A drunk in their house, and can't even talk to the man, and know better than to bring certain things up. He was very drunk, therefore he told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. So it was, now listen to this, watch what happens. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became like a stone. The Bible also talks about today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Let me tell you something about hardening your heart. When your heart goes cold, stone cold, hard, you are done. And you say, well, I'm going to repent one day. I'm going to change my mind one day. I'm going to do the right thing one day. You know what? You don't know that. You don't know if you have another one day. 
And if you keep living the way you're living, doing what you're doing, behaving like you're behaving, saying the things you're saying, going the direction you're going, something may finally trigger you where you get so crazy, so angry, your heart just turns to stone. Then it happened. Look at this. Then it happened after about 10 days of that, that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. You say, well, now you're trying to scare us. Absolutely. Now, you say, well, how do you know which it is? Watch the person. You watch a man. You say, well, God didn't strike him dead. He drank himself to death. Yes, God let him drink himself to death. Well, he died of liver failure. He died because he was just a mean old man. Exactly. You say, well, you don't really think God strikes people dead? Let me tell you something. You don't want to try him. And no one will get up and say this stuff much anymore. You're dealing with a holy God who finally when enough is enough, he will take you out. And the reason I don't like doing this is I might not make it through the week. Because he may say, oh, glad you preached that. That'll be your last one. Maybe you should be out. You say, well, why would you feel that way? Because I get a feeling sometimes I don't need to be messing with him. It is a privilege to be alive. How many babies don't even make it? So I'm alive physically and I'm alive spiritually. You cannot take that stuff for granted. And God, in his infinite mercy and his grace, we sin and he comes back. The Bible says it is his kindness, it is his gentleness that leads us to repentance. And in the case of Nabal, Abigail gets in there and saves the guy's life, interceding on behalf of herself, her servants, everybody, even her piece of work husband. But sooner or later, God has mercy even on Abigail. Keep reading. About 10 days, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, look at David, this woman protected his kingdom, even him being a king eventually. Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. Now, why would she want to marry this guy? Because he wasn't like her dead husband. Because she appealed to him. If she had tried that on her husband, it never would have worked. So now she sees this man has a brain. This man has a heart for God, from God. When the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, she got up, bowed her face to the earth and said, here's your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. What a woman. So Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and so both of them were his wives, but Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was from Galim. You say, well, what about all these wives? I don't know. The sermon's not about that today. (laughs) They hadn't figured everything out. And clearly God allowed for some stuff back then that I don't think he's into now. Now, I still don't know who this is for. It's probably for me. I don't want to drop dead. That's my deal. I want to live. I want to live as long as I'm supposed to live. I don't want to mess with him. And I think sometimes I mess with him. And I don't want to push him too far where he goes, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm taking you out. You are my child. You will make heaven, but you're getting in the way. You won't do what I'm telling you to do. I'm getting you out. Now, if I can instill, especially in the men here and beyond, 
some righteous fear for God, you need to pay attention and get some of this. You cannot jack with this God. You say, well, I don't believe that. You will. He's got game. And he loves me enough and he loves you enough to keep coming after you. And if he comes after you and comes after you and you harden your heart and he finally says enough is enough, he can take you out. Now, you say, well, I'm a little afraid. You might should be a little afraid. It's about time. Because there is a time for things to get real, for things to get serious, for you to look at your life, to look in a mirror. And you know, you guys go, well, I want a girl like Abigail. Then be a man like David. And you say, well, David cheated with that Bathsheba thing. What about that? That's the only thing you got. And he paid for that. Everywhere, the scripture says that that is the only thing that it says that he did wrong in the deal of Uriah the Hittite the wife of Uriah the Hittite. That is the only thing you say, well, that's a terrible thing. Okay, well, let's make your list then. You wanna go pointing fingers at somebody? Go to Daniel chapter five. There's a king here named Belshazzar. The whole deal of Daniel, surprisingly enough, about a guy named Daniel. And one day there's a feast and Belshazzar, this king, had taken all the stuff from the temple in Jerusalem and brought it into his palace. And he has a party, he goes, hey, go get all that gold stuff from the temple. And then things got crazy. Daniel chapter five, and then let's jump down. They bring Daniel in, because in the middle of this party, a hand appears. You ever heard the phrase, the handwriting on the wall? It comes straight out of the Bible. In the middle of this feast, a hand appears in this feast room and writes, mene, mene, tekel you farsen on the wall, and nobody figured it out. Finally, they bring Daniel in, and he starts talking about this guy's dad, who was king, who repented, did the right thing, so not everybody goes down. Nebuchadnezzar, he had consequence, but he didn't die as a result of this. Look in verse 22. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. You knew what happened to your dad. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him and this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel you farsen. This is the interpretation of each word, mene. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And then look at verse 30. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. Boom, he's dead that night. You say, well, but even if, you know, if this happens... If I, let's say God kills me. Well, then I'm dead. Well, let's say you're dead and you're not a Christian. You know what? You're really in trouble now. You say, well, I don't believe that. You know, it is amazing how much stuff you're going to believe once you're dead. All these people go, well, I don't believe anything in the Bible. I don't believe that about God. I don't believe all this Jesus stuff. You know, in an instant, you're going to believe all of it just like that. And then it's going to be way too late. This is not about you. It is not about your life. It is about him. You are bought with a price if you're a Christian. You are a slave. It is your job to obey. 
It is my job to wake up every day and say, yes, sir, no, sir. Whatever you want me to do, sir. My hands, my feet, everything I've got, I yield to you. You are Lord, you're the boss. We're going where you wanna go, do what you wanna do, say what you wanna say, and that's what we're gonna do today. And you say, well, I'm not interested in that kind of life. You will be, because left to ourselves, we run completely out of gas on dead-end streets, hit walls, and then we go, oh, God, help me. What was I thinking? I'm trying to at least put some signs up along the path where if you're listening and you hear not my voice but his voice, then you respond to that and go, okay, okay, I get it. Don't be a fool. Be wise enough to say, I hear it. I don't have to go through all that to figure out that it doesn't work. You say, but all my friends are partying and they're having fun and I'm gonna take the next 20 years and do it my way and burn up 20 years. I could go on for hours about stories. I'm tired of your stories and I'm tired of you making up new stories. A guy, a kid I know this week went to some party, not even 20 yet, goes to some party. They're passing around some kind of pills. Turns out the pills they were passing around had something else in them they didn't know about. And this guy for a day and a half, barefoot, walking around Frisco, his feet did not even know where he was. The police finally picked him up, the bottom of his feet from being on asphalt, wandering the streets, blistered, took him into the hospital. I'm tired of these stories. Oh, we had a great time last night. Really? Really? Oh yeah, I did this girl and this happened and that happened. And some of it, you don't even remember what happened. And that's supposed to make it even more fun. And then somebody walks up and says, hey, I think I got your baby, playa. <laughs> I wasn't with you. Well, the little test says you were, DNA. Now I know I'm gonna run some of you off. Some of you turn your radios off going, I don't have to listen to this. You know, I don't care anymore. I'm too old to care. <laughs> I may never have a big old fancy church, but I tell you what I am gonna have. I'm gonna have me a little sit down with Jesus. And what I am looking for, what I'm looking for from him is a little well done, good and faithful servant. So. If you want to read another one, go read it in Acts chapter 12. It's the New Testament. This guy named Herod. It's amazing how much stupid stuff happens around parties. Acts chapter 12, I'll read you this really quick. 21, so on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of God and not of a man. The voice of God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died, but the word of God grew and multiplied. You say, well, I've never seen that happen. Go ask Ananias and Sapphira about all this. You say, well, why didn't this happen more? I don't know, but I'm done messing with him, I hope. You say, well, I'm a sinner and I keep screwing up. You know what? Is your heart hard? That's when you ought to get scared. If you go down, you get back up. You say, Father, whatever you do, even if I'm a screw up and I keep screwing up, do not let my heart be hard. Keep my heart tender toward you. Give me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, a desire to know you, to be known by you, to make you known that even people that know that I'm an idiot or they see me go down, they see me get back up and keep moving. 
and that if I can't do it by myself, I'm gonna surround myself with other men. If you're a woman with other women, someone to help me, I'm gonna make it to the finish line. Even if they gotta carry me, I'm gonna make it. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I wanna share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest, real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. My mama used to tell me her dad was a pastor. And she used to say in their little church that there'd be some problems or whatever. And my grandfather would get up on a Sunday and he'd pray and he'd say, Father, either remove the person or the problem. And my grandpa got through. And my mama said there were weeks that men dropped dead and they buried them and they were the problem. You say, well, I'm gonna die of natural causes. You may die of supernatural causes. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.